Okay. Still missing Dlet. Yes. Always need our little little friend. Let me pull up my phone. It has been a very, very, very long week. I did not. Uh, hang on. Check, check. Check, check, check. Hold on. It's quiet on you. Yeah, it is. It's quite low. Check, check, check. Try now. Check, check, check. A little bit better. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it is weird. So I noticed you have for logos, you have uh, the uh, culture box up there. Yeah, for when we do the culture box. True. Uh, gotcha. Connect conversations. That's why it's there. Okay. Gotcha. Just curious. It's just not up on the. I don't have it on right now. Keep talking if you would. Yup, 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 yup. There we okay, go. There we go. Now that's I'm better. Up. Okay, good. Very good. Just got to remember for us both to talk into the microphone. Yes. Yes, because that's always key. Always better at a key. Like a keyblade. The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he just wishes that prototype Gaston would quit telling him ghost stories. Welcome, Jacob. Oh, gosh, get me the boys. And plus, he like, is he a better Gaston than Gaston? I don't know. Well, we, we will discover that sooner or later. In the meantime, let me introduce our co-host, a man who... Oh my gosh, if we can stop, if we can just get him over this mania for whatever it is now, it'd be great. Welcome, Drew. It's called Ultraman? <laughs> that is, oh my gosh, you're not kidding. It's not really that bad. Or, or Power Rangers. <laughs> More on that later. Let's <laughs> we get past the review. So, yeah. Tonight we are beginning Halloween month. Yes. Which is why you didn't hear a rapping dog in the intro. Oh this my time. gosh, thank you. <laughs> another year. Another year. We for another year. Another rapping dog. Uh, another rapping dog. Okay. I didn't know there were two. And what, uh, we're you, you didn't know about the sequel to the sequel? I'm aware of the sequel to the sequel to the sequel. Oh. But only one of these has a rapping dog in it. Mm. Mm. But anyway. Mm. So today we are jumping back to Old Disney. Old Disney. Old Disney. With the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. The final package film. Yes. You know what that means. We'll get to that in a minute. Yes. So, yeah. Are you ready to jump into the spoiler-free section of this? Yeah, let's do that. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. So I have never seen this all the way through before. Same. I have seen bits and pieces, I believe, of both of these. Mm -hmm. Probably, if I had to make a guess, either that DTV Valentine's Day uh, special that Grandpa recorded on a bootleg VHS okay. on Disney Channel that okay. one time, yeah. or sing-along songs, because I can definitely see uh, 
a certain Sleepy Hollow song being on that on that one of those tapes I had. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, this is the first time I've watched the whole thing. Now, granted, I have never read mm-hmm. either Wind or the Wind in the Willows or uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, nor have I seen any of the Sleepy Hollow films. Mm. So you're a little up on me on that, but I do at mm-hmm. least know the story of the yeah. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yes. But what I saw in this, I actually very much enjoyed. I thought both segments were done fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it's amazing. Okay. Granted, I am comparing like, was this 1940s, late 40s uh, era? Or is this like early 50s? Uh, 49. 49. So yeah, I'm comparing late 49 to mm-hmm. 80s. Yes. But the fact that this is like in the middle of like what I would consider three of the scariest things Disney ever did mm. being um, the uh, the earliest one, of course, being Chernabog from uh, uh, Fantasia. Fantasia. I'm yes. trying to think of the, the mm-hmm. segment name. Uh, Night on Bald Mountain. There we go. From the Night on Bald Mountain segment of mm-hmm. Fantasia to, of course, this in the middle of it. And then later on in the 80s, when you get to Black Cauldron. Oh, my God. The... Mm ending we'll just say the ending <laughs> yes of that one um and i i think I, I mean this has been this was such well done for this time period granted you can tell both of these feel like they were i mean you could tell this is when disney was mm-hmm. uh trying to save money yeah because they were because so much so much stuff had gone you know to the war effort and this was like one of the last thing like i said this is the last of the package films Basically, between Fantasia and this, mm-hmm. they did not do a full uh, feature presentation with just one story. Yeah. This is the last one of those. And I'm fr- frankly, I think the reason this is the last one of those is because this was the last one they were working on before they started whatever the next film after this was, which I don't remember. Mm. I Bambi. Don't... Bambi, yeah. I mean, mm. Was Bambi after this or was Bambi before this? Um, you don't have to look. Have to look for them. Give me a minute. I, I, in my mind, Bambi was like before Fantasia. Yeah, we'll we'll check in that in a minute. But uh, yeah, I thought this was done very well. Uh, it does. Have, like I was trying to get to it. Does have the silly symphony vibe mm-hmm. to it because the animation quality is about on that level. Not what I think of when it comes to a full, um, like a Disney feature film. Mm-hmm. So. I enjoyed it actually. It was it was very fun. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on? Uh, kind of like Drew, be like I'd be like I'd heard of the Adventures of Mister Toad. Uh, I'd seen little bits here and there of the footage from Ichabob, and I I knew about the Legend of Sleepy Hollow because who didn't growing up? Um, but overall, be like uh, watching well. Back up a little bit. I Cinderella bought, was right after this. Cinderella. Okay, thank you. That makes more sense to me. So this movie, actually, I bought this in a bundle from uh, someone I know because they were selling their collection. And knowing me, I, I like movies. I like mm-hmm. you know having vast movie collections for some reason. Um, so I picked it up. And I, I never watched it because there again, I always have too many films and too much stuff to do. So, and then this movie came into this, came into the circuit 
of movies we're going to watch. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, why don't I watch the DVD? It's like, now nah, I'll be lazy. I'll, pl- I'll play it on Disney+. Plus. Before you go on, I will say I actually messed up what I said a minute ago about mm-hmm. the films. Fant- it went fa- uh, Both Dumbo and Bambi came out between Fantasia and Saludos Amigos, which was the fr- which are the are, are the package films. Oh, so. okay, gotcha. Sorry, no, you're good. So, but like watching this movie, it'd be like it was the delight to watch because there again, you're watching a film from the late '40s. Mm-hmm. You know, RKO RKO films was still or you know RKO yeah, was still around thing, was still a thing, and uh, you know before Disney became its own um, its own closed off entity where they could produce things themselves or at least distribute themselves. So, you know, this was a very interesting time in Disney's history because there again, this was, you know, Walt was still around. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it for what it was, you know, shorts. I mean, like it had some very interesting moral story, moral tellings to go and uh, about greed and uh, the lust of things and you know, like how the consequences can be dire, definitely for a certain character. And, a certain, and I would say for both of them in, so, in some ways, mm-hmm. for both main characters of the, these uh, shorts. But uh, I enjoyed it. I would highly recommend people going and watch it because there again, you're watching something that is from the 40s or late 40s. Actually, the same year my parents were born. So oddly enough. Um, so yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Go watch it. I think if you're more worried, oh my gosh, my kid's going to get scared. Um, yes. Yeah, the Ichabod part is a little bit scary because there again, it is based off you know the legend of the Sleepy Hollow. Uh, it's not as... Uh, it's scary, but at the same time, it has its, you know, Disney charm to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, be like, you know, the, the sympathy, sympathy, sim- I'm silly symphony, silly sympathy. I'm going to say it wrong. Symphony, symphony, silly symphony. Um, it has that same vibe in the animation style. And again, they were doing package films at the time because you're coming out of World War II. And it was a bit like it was, it was, it's a lot of, it's, I feel like I'm rambling. It was a, it is a, don't worry. I always feel like I'm rambling. (laughs) It, it is an enjoyable film. Go watch it. So I was trying to figure out what actually was the first one that Disney fully did. Oh, it was Lady and the Tramp. Okay. So the last RKO one was uh, Peter Pan. Hmm. Just for future reference. No, we haven't reviewed that, though, have we? We've not reviewed either one. Oh, I thought. So, we still have a lot of classic Disney we to do, do. We have, that we hadn't touched yet. So, yeah, uh, you want to go ahead and jump into the full spoiler-filled section Yeah, of this? let's spoil this thing. All righty. If you haven't watched it already. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Listener discretion is advised. This film was directed by James Alger, Clyde Geronimi, and Jack Kenny. Hmm. Uh, James Alger also directed the Sorcerer's Apprentice segment of Fantasia. Okay. Clyde Geronimi would go on to do Cinderella, and Jack Kenny had previously done Dumbo. Oh, okay. Cool. It was written by Erdman Penner, Winston Hibbler, Joe Rinaldi, Ted Sears, Homer Brightman, and Harry Reeves, hmm. and was based on the story The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham mm-hmm. and the story The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Yes. Getting into the cast, we've got Basil Rathbone as the narrator in The Wind in the Willows and one of the policemen. 
And he was Sherlock Holmes in Sherlock like Holmes, Holmes films back in the day. Yes. Like nearly every single one of them. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, if the name, ba- I, I said Basil, Basil is really how yeah. I should have said that. Basil. Because and if that sounds familiar to you, Basil mm-hmm. is, uh, this is what the name for Basil of Baker Street in The Great Mouse Detective came yes. from. Fun fact. Yeah. Eric Bloor was the voice of Mr. Toad. And in something called Sullivan's Travels, he played uh, Sullivan's Valet. Hmm. J. Pat O'Malley played Cyril Proudbottom. Hmm. And in uh, The Jungle Book, he played Colonel Haffy, the elephant. The one that was always doing the uh, right. uh, commands. Oh, yeah, that's right. Colin Campbell was Mole. Mm-hmm. And in Mary Poppins, he played a bank vault employee. Really? Campbell Grant was the voice of Angus McBadger. Yeah, poor Angus. And he was the story developer for Night on Bald Mountain. Really? Yeah. In fact, this is one of his only acting credits. Really? Mm-hmm. Claude Allister was Water Rat. Mm-hmm. And he was Algae in something called Bulldog Drummond, hmm. which was the thing he was in the most. And Oliver Wallace played Mr. Winky the actual villain of this thing. That's right. And he actually was the composer for the following films. Mm. Dumbo, Victory Through Air Power, Make Mine Music, Fun and Fancy Free, this film, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. He was, this was technically a cameo role for him. Wow. Hmm. John McLeish was the prosecutor. And he was the narrator of many of the classic Disney Silly Symphony shorts, such as all those where Goofy is trying to show you how to do, make, do stuff, like play oh, football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I seem to have focused primarily so far on Wind in the Willows. You have. That's because there's one voice actor for all of uh-huh. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. which was Bing Crosby. Oh my God! Who was, of course, the narrator? He played Ichabod Crane and Brom Bones. Yes. Do you want to make a guess as to how many Kingdom Hearts connections that we have? A movie that was made in the late '40s mm-hmm. to a game that was created in the early 2000s. Yes. Uh maybe one or two. No. Lower. Lower. Zero. Zero. Okay, I w- I was making. I was like, maybe they use archive footage to for this character or this character. Well, you are wise to think there may have been one or two. Yeah, because uh, there is a voice actress in Kingdom Hearts One who reprises her roles from this era. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, right. So you're right to think. Yeah, that there is a possibility of this. Yeah. Uh. I was, I'm trying to be coy. Oh, yeah. I knew who you were talking about. Two of her roles, actually. Yeah, two of her roles. Because she played both characters originally. Yes. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, if you can figure that out, people, be like, kudos. Maybe points for you guys. Maybe get something for it. Maybe. If you, if you know who that actor actress is, let us know. Yes. And her roles. And her roles. So, what do we got in info and stuff? All right. So, info and stuff. Uh, IMDb, it has a six point. Nine out of ten is available to watch on Disney Plus. It's produced by Walt Disney Productions, distributed by RKO Radio Pictures. 
they're going to be like, if you know your animation history, it's like, yeah, that was the distribution or, or the uh, distribution for most of Walt Disney stuff until which movie? Uh, Lady in the Tramp. Lady in the Tramp. That's when it fully went over to Walt Disney. Yeah, it's when full Disney. Uh, the full. Disney but admittedly, Disney was so growing. Aww. Disney was so growing at the time, so they oh, didn't yeah. have. They were lucky to be a producer at the time, not necessarily a distributor. That is true. All right. Uh, and it would be around this time RKO was starting to mm-hmm. slowly transition to being a rights holder. Yes. Uh, release date was October 5th, 1949. Same year as my parents, the same year my parents were born, around almost the exact same time period. Uh, let me see. Um, theatrical release the film grossed over 1.2 million dollars in domestic rentals in the united states and canada uh it earned over 1.6 million dollars worldwide rentals you know this is home release i could not find anything regarding uh movie tickets be like if 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 i if i would have been doing this all week i probably could have found something but well and at the same time getting uh, ticket prices from our t- uh, budgets and stuff from this time period can be tough. Yeah, it can. Be. So, so box office. Yeah, box office wise, they didn't really publish box no, office. I think didn't. at this time, so it's like they 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 published box office if the movie did extremely well to you know hype up the movie in some capacity, but they wouldn't give you the data we have now. Mm-hmm. Where I think we we use the data now more for it's oh see this movie isn't doing well it only it only made 300 million dollars no i mean the flop the internet allows for a lot of things that is true that is so true this was newspaper stuff and they would not have may not have published this in the newspaper that is true okay so so regards to home release be like i just mentioned something about it and uh theatrical because there again be like i looked at it oh cool and then i read it it's like nope that's home release but anyways uh home release uh the Mr. Toad segment of The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad was first screened on television in edited form as a part of an inaugural, uh, inaugural season at Disneyland uh, Anthology Series on February 2nd, 1955, under the, under the title The Wind of the Willows. Mm-hmm. It was paired with an edited version of Disney's A Reluctant Dragon. On October 26, 1955, uh, under the title Legend of Sleepy Hollow, notably uh, for this airing, Sleepy Hollow and its supplement reruns, a new 14-minute animated uh, prologue was added recounting the life of Washington Irving, the story's author. Then the prelogue was never has never been released on home video. The Legend of Zippy Hollow was released on its own to theaters as a 30, 30, 33 minute feature read in 1963. This was the same edit presented on the Disneyland home Disneyland television series, minus the 14 minute uh, prologue and the Walt Disney live action host segment. Um, in 1976, the Wind of the Willows segment of the original film was re released in theaters under the title The Madcap Adventures of Mr. Toad. 
to accompany Disney's feature film, Hot Lead and Cold Feet. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was subsequently subsequently no, it's the wrong word. Had a syndication television airing. Oh, um, syndicated. Okay. Yeah, syndicate. Um, I'm, pr- I'm probably butchering the word. I apologize. Uh, was part of a TV special Halloween Half uh, Hall of Fame in 1977 and Disney's Halloween Trick in 1982. Once it was sliced into two segments for airing on the Disneyland television series, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad was not available for viewing in its original form for many years. Therefore, uh, therefore, but it was instead screened as two individual items. When the first release on when it was first released on home video, the segments uh, retained their names from the Disneyland series, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and The Wind of the Willows, respectively, having taken their names from the original sources. Some of the scenes were cut when segments were split for home video for home video release. For example, when the willows part of the introduction was cut because of the new songs added as a side effect. As a side effect, most of the original audio from the introduction was synced incorrectly. The scene where Angus Badger confronts the angry townsman who were suing Toad. The newspaper scene regarding Toad's disgrace was shortened by removing the newspaper article of his friends attempting to reopen his case. When Toad realized that he is underwater after unknowingly jumping into a river to elude the police pursuing him, there was a brief full-body shot of Toad frequently trying to pull out the ball and chain he's stuck when he was stuck in the bottom of the river regarding the legend of sleepy hollow. The only thing that was cut was the introduction. So the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad received its first complete home video release in the UK in 1991 in the U S in 1992, when it was released by Walt Disney home entertainment on VHS and Laserdisc. Uh, it was, uh, <clears throat> let's see, the complete release on VHS followed in 1999 as the last title on the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection Series. In 2000, it appeared on DVD for the first time as part of the Walt Disney Gold Class Collection line. In... The 1963 theatrical version, The Legend of the Bellows, was released on VHS in 1982, 1990, 1994. The 1978 Classic film shorts series. Both had been released uh, to film simultaneously in the United States in the United States in the early 80s 
in white clamshell releases, even though fun and fancy time had been released in its entirety around the same time. The Adventures, the Adventures of Igbob and Mr. Toad were released for the first time on DVD, Blu-ray, HD, H, uh, digital HD in a two-film collection with fun and fancy free in, in 2014. It was also released as, as solely on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy com- combo and a standalone DVD, which was exclusive to Walmart. The film was released to stream on Disney Plus when the streaming service uh, launched on November 12th, 2019. And as far as I understand, there is no sequels to this. That is all I have for info and stuff. All right. Getting into the summary. The first segment is based on the 1908 novel by Kenneth Graham. Mm-hmm. The scene takes place in London, England, UK, between June 10th, 1907 and January 1st, 1908. Mm-hmm. The protagonist, J. Thaddeus Toad Esquire, is introduced as the story's one disturbing element, an incurable adventurer who never counted the cost. Although he is the wealthy owner of the Toad Hall estates, Toad's adventures and positive mania for various fads have brought him to the brink of bankruptcy. As a last resort, Toad's friend Angus McBadger volunteers to be Toad's bookkeeper to help Toad keep his estate, which is a source of pride in the community. Mm. One summer day, McBadger asks Toad's best friends Ratty, a water rat, and Molly, a mole, to persuade Toad to give up his latest mania of recklessly driving about the countryside Mm. in a horse and gypsy cart, which is accumulating a great deal of financial liability and damaged property. Ratty and Molly confront Toad, but they are unable to change his mind. Toad then sees a motorcar for the first time and becomes entranced by the new car, having been taken over by Motormania. To keep Toad out of trouble and protect Toad Hall, Ratty and Molly lock him in his bed chambers. However, Toad breaks free and is later arrested, getting charged with car theft. At his trial, Toad represents himself, always a foolish maneuver, and calls his horse Cyril as his first witness. Cyril testifies that the car which Toad was accused of taking had been stolen by a gang of weasels. Tony had entered a tavern where the car parked and offered to buy the car from the gang. However, since Toad had no money, he instead offered to trade Toad Hall for the car. The prosecutor and judge showed disbelief toward the statement. So Toad then calls the bartender, Mr. Winky, as a witness. However, when told by Toad to explain what actually happened, Winky claims instead that Toad had tried to sell him the stolen car. Toad is found guilty on the spot and sentenced to 20 years in the Tower of London. As months pass by, Toad's friends make every effort to appeal his case, but to no avail. Then, on Christmas Eve, Cyril visits Toad in disguise as his grandmother and helps him escape by giving him a secondary disguise of his own. Toad runs to a railway station and hijacks an engine, and, as a.k.a. a locomotive, and drives out of the station heading towards the riverbank without getting caught by the police, riding another engine. Coming to Ratty's house, uh, just then, McBadger visits Ratty and Molly to tell them that he discovered that Winky is the leader of the Weasel Gang, mm-hmm. who have taken over Toad Hall, proving that Toad had intended and indeed traded his estate for the stolen car. Mm-hmm. Winky himself is in possession of the deed, knowing that Toad is still guilty in the eyes of the law and the deed bearing his and Winky's signature would prove Toad's innocence. The quartet sneak into Toad Hall and narrowly manage to steal the deed back following a chase around the estate. Mm. 
the the short then ends on New Year's Day with Toad exonerated and regaining his house while it's implied that Winky and the gang have been arrested. As McBadger, Ratty, and Molly celebrate the new year with a toast to Toad, who, who they believe has completely reformed, Toad and Cyril recklessly fly past on a 1903 Wright Flyer. Toad has not truly reformed and developed now a mania for planes. Our second segment is about Ichabod Toad arriving in Sleepy Hollow, a small village outside Terrytown. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Ichabod Toad? Sorry, Ichabod Crane. There we go. Why not Ichabod Toad? That would work. <laughs> Ichabod Crane arriving in Sleepy Hollow, New York, a small village outside Terrytown that is renowned for its ghostly hauntings to be the town's new schoolmaster. Despite his odd behavior, appearance, and effeminate mannerisms, Ichabod soon wins the heart of the village's women and forms good friendships with his students. Mm -hmm. Brom Bones, the roguish town hero and bully, does his best to pull some pranks on Ichabod. However, Ichabod is very good at ignoring these taunts and continues to act charmingly and with the townspeople. One day, Ichabod meets and falls in love with a young Dutch woman named Katrina, the beautiful daughter of the wealthy Baltus Van Tessel and Brom's unofficial fiance. Despite being obsessed with Katrina's beauty, Ichabod mainly desires to take the family money for himself. Brom, who has never been challenged before, proceeds to compete badly and unfairly with the schoolmaster, but Ichabod wins Katrina over at every opportunity. Intrigued by this, Katrina uses Ichabod to tease Brom, making him jealous and angry. The two rivals are invited to the Van Tassel Halloween party. Brom manically attempts to get Ichabod to dance with a new woman instead of Katrina and later attempts to have him fall through a cellar door. Mm -hmm. Both, but both attempts backfire while both men dine. Brom catches Ichabod accidentally knocking a salt shaker over and nervously tossing salt over his shoulder, discovering that Ichabod's weakness is superstition. He decides to sing the tale of the legendary headless horseman to scare him. The horseman supposedly travels the dark spooky woods on Halloween each year, searching for a living head to replace the one he has lost. The only way to escape the ghost is to cross a covered bridge. Katrina finds the song very amusing, while Ichabod, on the other hand, starts to fear for his life. Riding home from the Halloween party, Ichabod becomes frightened of every sound he hears. His imagination begins to take over and heighten his fear and anxiety. As he passes through the hollow, where the Headless Horseman is rumored to appear, while traveling through an old European cemetery, Ichabod believes he hears the sound of an unknown horse galloping toward him but discovers the sound is being made by nearby cattails, bumping on a log. He and his horse, tired old gunpowder, begin to laugh, however. Their laughter is cut short by the appearance of the real headless horseman. Mm -hmm. After being chased through the forest and nearly decapitated, Ichabod, remembering Brom's advice, rides across the covered bridge to stop the ghost pursuit, but as he looks back to see the ghostly pursuer vanish, the horseman stops and throws a jack-o'-lantern and hits him with a crash. The next morning... Ichabod's hat is found on the at the bridge and next to the shattered jack-o'-lantern, but the schoolmaster himself is nowhere to be found. Sometime later, later, Brom marries Katrina. Rumors begin to spread that Ichabod is still alive, married to a wealthy widow in a distant county with children that all look like him. Poor children. <laughs> However, the people of Sleepy Hollow sadly insist that he has been killed by the horseman. The film then ends with the last picture of the horseman laughing. He then becomes a figure of the animated book, which closes and returns to the shelf as the camera moves away from the library shelves. The lights suddenly turn off. The narrator, frightened, uh, finishes the scene by saying, man, I'm getting out of here. 
Which brings me to the trivia for this week's episode. There was a legend that one animator stopped working on The Wind in the Willows to join the army during World War II and then returned four years later to continue work on the exact same film sequence. Not surprised. Rat describes Toad's latest obsession as Motor Mania. This is the title of a classic Goofy short which would be released the following year. Okay. Things to come. While the characters are fictional, the place names and landmarks depicted in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow are mostly factual. Mm -hmm. The Terrytown of the short story is the village of Terrytown in Westchester County, New York. It was founded by Dutch settlers in the 17th century. It is located about 25 miles north of Midtown Manhattan in New York City. Some of the other landmarks are located in the nearby village of North Terrytown, which was long nicknamed Sleepy Hollow and was officially renamed to this name in 1996. Washington Irving himself is was buried in the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. The information that the Headless Horseman died in a nameless battle of the American Revolutionary War is not unreasonable. The province of New York was part of some major campaigns in the war and was the battleground for such battles as the Battle of Long Island and the bat landing at Kipps Bay. However, Washington Irving probably took his inspiration from the Battle of White Plains, which took place only 10 miles from Terrytown in Sleepy Hollow. An American general, William Heath, wrote in his memoirs that he witnessed a Hessian horseman being decapitated by a cannonball during the battle. The body of the Hessian soldier was supposedly buried in an unmarked grave in the graveyard of Terrytown's old Dutch church by the townspeople. The song Headless Horseman is considered one of the darkest written for a Disney film. Much like Worthless from The Brave Little Toaster and Hellfire from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, it was nearly cut from the film. Hmm. Disney's original title for the film was Two Fabulous Characters. Apparently, the only reason these two stories are linked together is the fact that the main characters are both prone to disaster. Mm, makes sense. The Headless Horseman is often cited as being, along with the Firebird in Fantasia 2000, the Horned King in The Black Cauldron, and Chernabog in uh, Fantasia as one of the scariest villains in the Disney canon. Disney still receives complaints from parents about the character frightening their children. Thurl Ravenscroft, a.k.a. Tony the Tiger, mm -hmm. uh, was originally going to sing The Headless Horseman. His version of the song can be heard on the compilation CD Walt Disney Records Archive Collection, Volume 1. The Weasels uh, villains featured in Who Framed Roger Rabbit were designed and patterned after the Weasels in this version, oh, this that, movie. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. The Horse of Ichabod Crane has a name in the short story. He is called Gunpowder. Mm -hmm. The narrators of the film, Bing Crosby and Basil Rathbone, mm -hmm. were cast in the film to increase its audience appeal. Crosby was one of the most commercially successful singers from the 30s to the 50s. He had acted in several films and had already won an Oscar. Basil Rathbone, Rathbone was better known as the star of a film series about Sherlock Holmes with 14 films released between 1939 and 1946. This is one of Disney's four package films. During World War II, the studio lost loss of manpower and resources, which left it with countless unfinished ideas, too long for shorts and too long, short for features. So inventive as Disney was, it struck it stuck short ideas together into feature-length movies. These being Make Mine Music from 1946, Melody Time from 1948, and Fun and Fancy Free from 1947, plus, of course, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Disney animator Andreas Deja 
used Brom Bones mm-hmm. as an inspiration for Gaston and Beauty and the Beast. It is unclear or not if the Headless Horseman was a real ghost or was simply Brom in disguise. The original short story written by Washington Irving mm-hmm. suggests the latter more overtly than the film. The best evidence in the film to suggest that Brom pretended to be the horseman is the similarity between the two characters' horses. However, if the horseman was in fact not Brom, then Brom's possible reasons for telling the story in the first place were either to spook Crane enough for him to leave town for good, to actually summon the demonic horseman for with, with his song, or make mm-hmm. Crane so paranoid that he becomes careless on his way home and ends up having a serious accident. Lastly, the Headless Horseman is one of the few Disney villains to win. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the ending ambiguously leaves it up to the viewer to decide whether or not Crane escaped his demonic pursuer. Mm-hmm. Very true. So, Jacob, what is your first like for this film? Are we going by the both shorts or just by... Let's just do the whole thing. In general. Um, I love the fact that, like, you know, these are... These two shorts from way back in the day that have such... Like they're in they're, they're they're based off based off original original shorts original novels, and uh, you know be like I wasn't as prepared as I thought it was, so be like the let's, let's go with the general be like I love the animation in this because mm-hmm. there again it's it's going back to the the old school be like this is during. Uh, like this reduction during World War II and be like, it took a long time for production because then, you know, men went off to fight in the war. Um, and like the animation is classic. It's classic Disney animation for that time period. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure when I was younger, I probably looked at this and was like, this is boring. This is, this isn't uh, Aladdin, but uh, I think now it is, it is a much slower film. It is. It is much slower. It's much slower. But you have uh, just animation overwise be like just for nostalgia feeling, you know, going back to those the 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 olden days as we would call them of animation and the the love and passion you put into them. So yeah, animation it's beautiful in this film. Beautiful. My first like for this is going to be the sequence with the headless horseman chasing a Oh yeah. Granted, this is the money shot yeah. of uh well specifically the, the sleepy hollow section, but really of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh you've got uh headless horseman chasing Ichabod around. You got two great shots where um Ichabod Ichabod's neck hits the limb and he does the whole oh yeah turnover thing barrel mm-hmm. thing first mm-hmm. to land on the back of the, oh, yeah. the, the headless horseman's horse mm-hmm. and then it happens again so mm-hmm. you can land back on gunpowder yeah but um you got those comedic moments you've got it's it's you don't i'm not used to seeing legitimately scared characters yeah especially from this time period uh, in great. this style of animation now, granted uh i've seen plenty of times where you know Tom from a from Tom and Jerry shorts from this time period mm-hmm. were scared. I've seen uh Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, and no, no, Sylvester and Porky Pig, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a couple that that like they are legitimately scared mm-hmm. out of their minds. But this is the first time where it's not played for comedy, so it, and it's I like how it just feels like this is a legitimately scary moment, and just when you think. 
everything is cleared up, the headless horseman throws the jack o' lantern head right oh. at him. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, so just because he crossed the bridge doesn't mean that he was safe. Mm -hmm. That's just what everyone thought. Oh, yeah. So just at the time you're breathing that sigh of relief for Ichabod, here comes that pumpkin. Here comes the pumpkin. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, but you so see, yeah, that whole sequence I thought was, uh, was was uh, animated and uh, planned out perfectly, scripted, yeah. scripted out, storyboarded out perfectly. It was it was great to the point where it starts off just slowly, you know, building up to it's like because you hear the mm. creakiness, you hear the you hear the quote unquote hoof beats of the uh, cattails hitting the log, mm -hmm. and I kind of knew that's what was going to happen because it was yeah. too quick for them to actually be doing it. Yes, but. I loved how it slowly built the suspense over time to then there's a headless horseman chasing him and going around and around everything. And like I said, you think he's finally safe. Oh yeah. And then the, and then the jack-o'-lanterns take him towards him. So, and good night, the way they position that, that jack-o'-lantern is not just coming for Ichabod. It's coming for us. Oh yeah. If I saw this in a theater as a child, scared the crap out of you. Yes. But that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought that was done very well, and I appreciated that that, that part of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, agreed. What's your second like? Uh, my second like would be the, um, uh, let me get my bearings right. The uh, the moral of the stories, but like you you have uh, the fantastic Mister Toad and his mania of wanting the the latest and greatest of like whatever is going on. And uh, the the perils he puts himself into, and his friends, and the the fact to be like, okay, so just for clarification, clarification here. So when they realize that, oh yeah, the 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 bad guy actually does have the deed, mm -hmm. and I remember correctly, be like, uh, he does claim that uh, Toad sold him the deed, right? But it was a fair trade. Yeah, it was a fair trade. It was a fair trade. And uh, we learned that XA actually is true, correct? Yeah. Okay. So just for clarification, because I, I wasn't, I'd be like, I, I watched it and I was like, okay, did I hear that right? Did I hear the be like, okay. It, now was, it was a agreed upon trade. Yes. And Winky was supposed to be the unbiased observer. That's yeah. why he uh, signed yeah. on, off on it. That's true. Yeah. So you, you have this, like this, uh, each story is over greed has the the uh the sin of greed where you have toad is be like he he be like he wants these things so bad that he wanted to get himself arrested because he stole a car stole a car and he mm -hmm. sold his own he traded his own estate for a car that was stolen and be like the the fact to be like our character does not learn anything from this be like he he claims to be a, a changed man in prison but but he goes back to his old ways of uh, you know, the lust and desire of something new and the the going after the shinies, if, mm -hmm. as you might call it, you know, like we all do in, in some cases when we fall into a, a, a sin trap. And th then you have Ichabob, you know, Ichabob, who is a, uh, a man who is looking to um, raise his stature in in the country, in this in his his town be like he he's not content with being the schoolmaster he yeah wants, he wants wealth he wants power and uh he he's looking for any means in order to do that 
and the way he looks at uh poor what is her name uh, katrina. katrina yeah katrina be like he he looks at katrina as more of an object you know, rather than be like you know, well loving her and caring for her because he he sees everything that his uh, her father's uh estate can give him and he's literally just using katrina for his own good mm-hmm. and uh it it winds up if if you want to believe the the uh the story the the folk tales from the the town of sleepy hollow are or the not the legend not, sorry let me back up a second if if you want to believe that ichabod actually did survive and go on be like apparently he he did the exact same thing somewhere else and uh either if you go by this story in this short or you go by the book and i, I listened to the book on audible mm-hmm. They're again not not sponsored by Audible. If Audible wants to sponsor us, we're more than willing to. Um, so in the in the in the uh, the short story, it's told that Ichabod moved away, further away, probably another state, and be like became a, a like he ran for governor, and now he, like he ran for governor, he's a governor of the state, where in this the what is told first is where he has moved off and now he's doing he did the exact same thing and has children just like him mm-hmm. uh, poor children yeah poor children oh my gosh lanky and bow-legged and big feet no to quote the beginning of the the, the first song in that segment are those shovels or are they feet yeah mm-hmm. but it's it's you have two stories of greed you have two stories of Lust and desire, or something that be like it's like yeah, there's nothing wrong with like desiring things. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you when you let it become a mania or an obsession, like like you have Toad who is obsessed with anything and he does not care what what it takes, he does it. And they're gonna be like that's the 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 draw of power, the draw of money, and uh, and what what greed can do to you. It's they're gonna not the be like that money is corrupted, but the the lust of money mm-hmm. can do as in scripture says oh it uh the, the quote actually is Thank uh you. I know the love of money is the root of all that kinds of evil all kinds of evil that's true be and more specific yeah thank you and it's the same thing with Ichabob. Ichabob just sees uh poor katrina as uh, a money pot and it'd be like it's it's fitting that he winds up be like either you 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 believe the legends, you believe the folktale that the people of Sleepy Hollow say that it's like, oh, he actually did die. He actually did die. And actually, fun fact, in the book, actually, when when they speak of um Braun Braun, mm-hmm. uh be like he wanted to marry Katrina, and but like whenever they would talk about Ichabob, he would laugh maniacally. And he would be like, and so it became a legend that'd be like he killed be like he was the the headless horseman. And he's he's the one who killed Ichabob. So I find it more ironic that you have a man who is um, his his lust gets the better of him. And either a it scares him away so bad, or b he's actually killed for it, or he's he's killed by a rival mm-hmm. over lust and uh, power and wealth. So yeah, you you have two stories that are so they they have a similar theme to each other. And I, I enjoy that when you have two short, you have two, two, uh, two story beats that you think have no connection except for be like have no connection, but then you realize, oh yeah, they're both about greed. They're both about 
lust and power and money and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I thought that was a very, I, I, that's what I kind of drew from it when you have this lust and power kind of thing and how it corrupts. So yeah, that's my second. All right. Uh, my second like for this actually is the entire Wind in the Willows segment. It was oh. not a uh, a very deep story. No. It was kind of just a very like loosey-goosey fun kind of story. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, I think I was more attached and more interested in that story than I was Legend of Sleepy Hollow segment. Really? Uh, the whole thing with, because I mean, it was like... Every time they every time an event would happen, you were just waiting to see what the next thing that would happen that would top it. Mm-hmm. Every single time, so it's like they they'd go and tie Mister Toad in his in his up in his uh, lock him in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, you know he's going to escape because yeah, of, of course, course he is, of course he is, because they didn't bother to check the window. No, and then. Uh, and it's like, okay, so he's going to say, what's he going to do? It's like, is he going to go off and, you know, spend all his money on a car? And the next thing you see, Mr. Toad arrested. It's mm-hmm. like, that escalated quickly. It did. And then you see the whole thing with uh, uh, how he's, uh, why, uh, when he's in the courtroom and he's defending himself and giving out his idea on the events mm-hmm. with everyone else, you know, trying to stop him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and and I was legitimately kind of a bit surprised when Mr. Winky actually turned out to be the villain. The villain. Yeah. I just thought he was just a bartender. I didn't think mm-hmm. nothing of it. Oh yeah. Because I mean, his yes, he had an original character design, but nearly every character that showed up in this, besides uh, the various weasels, had a unique character design. Mm-hmm. I say that because all the weasels shared the same character design, <laughs> but. Uh, so, uh, so, and then you get to him being locked up in the Tower of London for around Christmas time, and then he escapes on a locomotive. And I'm going, you stole a locomotive. Yeah, you did. They, no matter where you stop, they know where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. They just have to. I was like, surely, this is just this is not going to turn into a wild. Oh, it is a wild train race uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing. They're following him on another locomotive that just happened to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, that's weird, uh, yeah. but I'm I'm here for it. Let's see where this is going. Exactly. And then, um, then they they kill Mister Toad. That's what it comes down to. Oh He's, yeah, I, I love he, that scene. He gets thrown into the river. Or into he, the river. He throws himself. He throws river. himself into the river, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he can't swim because he's a toad. Toads don't. They they only part of their amphibious life they spend in the water is when they're a tadpole. <laughs> the rest of the time they are on land and trying to stay away from water. It's the frogs that stay in the water all the mm-hmm. time. So, of course, he's going to drown. And they stay there so long that I thought, wow, this is ending in a very dark place. Mm-hmm. I knew the Sleepy Hollow segment was going to be dark, but I wasn't expecting this one to be that dark. Right. And all of a sudden, there he is on Christmas Eve standing at uh, Rat and Mole's front door. It's um, like, how? And I'm sitting there going, how did you survive? You man. near you were dr- drowning underwater with no way to get to the surface. Yeah, you were literally how, chained to the bottom. How did you survive? We never find out. Because it's like plot no, armor. It's not important. Yeah. 
So very weak plot armor. And, and then the whole thing with them trying to get the deed back from mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mr. Winky and the weasels and stealing a stealing a stealing stealing something that no longer belongs to him. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is just crazy. It was, it was just, it was one of those things like, how are they going to top themselves in this next scene? And then they do. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy thing. Even yeah. up to the last part where it's like, cause you know, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of this, when they're, when Mr. Toad's claiming, I am a reformed toad. Oh yeah. I will never follow mm-hmm. one of these manias again. Yeah. First off, they already told the, the narrator earlier told us how that never that never happens yeah because uh back in the tower of london he said he would be a reformed toad mm-hmm. and then he got the mania of wanting to be free yeah so yeah there's no re- reform no. for for mr toad no the way this story toad. seems to go and so they uh so when it's, when it's at the very end it's like they, get, they have to top this somehow they can't oh, end yeah. it oh, on yeah. this note what on earth is he going to see that he's going to go crazy for? Mm. Of course, an airplane in Britain at the wrong time of the of, of history. It somehow made its way over there. And of course, mm. who's flying the plane? The horse, horse and the and toad. toad. Of course. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> the entire Wind in the Willis segment was just like utter chaos. And I yeah. loved it. Nice. So, yeah. The entire Wind in the Willis segment is my second like. What's your third? My sec- my third like it kind of bounces off your set your I think it was your your first dislike of the Sleepy um, Hollows. The like, I mean. Yeah, the like. That's what I meant. The blah, I'm getting tongue-tied tonight. My had th- a busy week. Yes, agreed. It's been a very long week. Uh my third, my third like of this, you know, uh combined short would be the segment which drew spoke uh spoke on earlier of the uh the headless horseman hello yes thank you you took the words right out of my mouth which thankfully because i was so tongue-tied i couldn't even think of the word yes the headless horseman uh because you get the lead up where bronze bone is scaring the crap out of uh ichabob and everybody else is having fun with it, but he is so scared of everything. Even even in the novelization, the short, the short, the uh, novella, I guess you call it. Yeah, novella would be the right. Yeah, term. it's more of a novella. Be like you have the novella where be like be like in the very beginning, like it's very well, it's it's told that Igabob is scared. He's scared of everything. Like be like he he believes in witchcraft. He believes in the occult. And uh, like he he he's so superstitious about everything, and be like you get this scene, be like it's brilliantly uh, animated in this form where he is just so scared, and then he leaves, then he leaves and go you know, you know goes that exact same route, and it's just like that that building tension of how they be like be like you have the the aged horse or mm-hmm. mule, and you have Ichabob, and then it's just like everything, the environment kind of gives you that, ooh, something's going to happen. And then it's just like, oh, it's just, oh, oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just this. Nope, no problem. And then the Headless Horseman himself shows up, and then all oh, Hades go, goes loose with the wacky zany of how Disney does you know, their animation back then, and they still do in some capacities. But the, the fact that like, you have a, a villain who is so intimidating and so scary because they're going to use, like you said, and you're like that 
if you would have watched this in theaters, it probably scared you as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I would wholeheartedly agree. That would scare the crap out of me. Because how brilliantly it's animated. And the fact would be like you have, if if we go by the legend, if we go by the folk, the folk tales of Sleepy Hollow, that Ichabod did die. Mm-hmm. And the villain won. Be like, if it was Braun Bones or actually the legend of Sleepy Hollow, be like, either way, the villain won in this. And I was like, bravo. I was I was very impressed with what they did with this this uh with this short and the novella. I was like, wow, they actually killed the main character off. And I think you had to come in, let's just say that. Yeah. But um yeah, I definitely the the uh the Headless Horseman scene and how they set it up. How they give you these kind of like not false flags, but kind of yeah, kind of a false flag, be mm-hmm. like kind of a false pretension to what's going to happen. But they really crank it up in animation wise and storytelling wise, and just how they they use the the Disney humor in a way to make it funny, but at the same time they cranked it up with that 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 horror aspect. And yeah. I really enjoyed that. So yeah, the headless horseman ride. So dislikes. I still have a like. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Never mind. You forgot that you went first, didn't you? No, I, I was so excited to just be like, get right. through it when I go to the third. But yes, go that's ahead. My what third you, like is actually third? is the Headless Horseman song. Oh, okay. This is such a juxtaposition that works mm-hmm. because it's telling this story of the Headless Horseman, yeah. which is supposed to be like scary events, but mm-hmm. because it's being told by someone who is obviously not actually scared of the thing Mm. and it's being told to a group of people who are just finding it a funny little Mm -hmm. story and they might act scared but they're really not and then seeing that all that going on with ichabod Mm. ichabod's reactions taking the whole thing so seriously yes (laughs) that point where they get to the first chorus and uh brahm has plucked a hair from Ichabod's head and doing the hip hip and the clippity clop. And he's slowly cutting the hair down and you see the look of fear on Ichabod's face. That's like, so good. Oh wow. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the right granted, I am not a fan generally of Bing Crosby. So it helps that this is only being sung by him. <laughs> uh, Cause this is, originally meant to be sung by Thor Ravenscroft. He also, uh, Thor also sang, uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Right. And, uh, in, uh, what's, what is the name of that ride at Disneyland and Disney world? Um, haunted mansion. Haunted mansion. Okay. He sings one of the songs in that too. Really? Okay. So, I mean, cool. he's, he is who Disney went to when it was, when he needed a scary song to go to. And obviously others knew to do it also. Yeah. So, I would. I, I want to go find the Thorough Ravenscroft version of okay. this song because I suspect it's got a little. It's a little darker in oh, a way. Yeah. Because this is Bing Crosby. He's just going hip hip bend clippity clop. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Thorough Ravenscroft's gonna be hip hip bend clippity clop. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just. I'm just expecting that to be like a darker thing. Yeah. Be interesting. You, yeah, especially with the bass, really especially with his bass coming mm-hmm. through. But I mean, the whole thing where everyone is like happy and 
giddy about here the headless horseman is going to come and kill us all we don't actually believe this is happening and then you get and then you get uh and, and seeing his uh ichabod's face going the headless horseman is going to come and kill us all <laughs> we're all gonna die and the thing is if you have an ounce of brain in your head, yeah. you know this is all foreshadowing. This, oh, yeah. Whether or not, and Grant, I am of the thought myself that that was actually Brombone in, in the Headless Horseman suit. Yeah. That's what makes the most sense. Uh, that it's not actually that. Because it's the only way you... that Yes, because assuming the legend was true, yeah. it actually does not make sense that once he crossed the bridge that he would be able to throw yeah, exactly. he would be safe yeah he should be he should have been safe because the head the the, the jack-o'-lantern head should not have been able to cross yeah so i'm of the thought it was brahm that was actually the one in there but i love how they don't tell you yeah. they give you both endings it's like pick the one you want yeah we're not going to tell you which one it is yeah what is your ending? yeah right so i but but the, the song leading up to this like because you know it's just Brom trying to scare the living crap. It's his oh, greatest, yeah. uh, uh, what, 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 what do you call that? Um, prank. Prank. It's his greatest prank he's pulled on Ichabod yet. Mm -hmm. And it's the one that's going to get him the girl. Yeah. Which is brilliant Agreed. in my mind. Agreed. I can understand exactly why when they were making uh, Beauty and the Beast, they based mm -hmm. Gaston on this guy. Yeah. Because... Totally. Oh man. Mm -hmm. Uh so yeah. Uh I I enjoy the Headless Horseman song. Okay. It's a it's a fun little it is song that is if they were doing it today, this would have they would have played up the scare factor in the song. It would oh not have gosh, been a fun yeah. song. Yeah. Uh because this this is basically a villain song. It is. But it's unlike every other villain song, this is not like a dark or evil song. This is just yeah. like a it's like yeah. a fun little fun little thing and they're talking yeah. about the headless horseman's gonna come and get you in the end mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah I, I like the headless horseman song i love the fun juxtaposition of agreed horror and fun party yes. music yes so that brings us to our dislikes yes what is your first dislike what do i actually dislike about this movie these shorts uh or this film in general mm -hmm. uh i've it's it's a nitpick i'm not trying to say that it's like, oh my gosh the uh the adventures of mr toad is actually terrible it's not i think it's just more it was it's okay i think toad should have well they're against the care is who the character is he's a ma you know maniac when it comes to just doing everything and uh like we learned to be like oh yeah you, you sold a certain you believe trades you know fair and square and like the only thing I could think of is just like it's like, dude, you broke out of prison to go steal something you traded square and square, yeah. And you put your friends in barrel, and nothing is done for it because I I keep thinking be like you still need to, uh, um, uh, serve your time for what you what you have done, but no, it's kind of swept under the rug because there again be like that's the whole point of the story, and I just be like. I wish Toad would have maybe finished out his sentence and, you know, he broke into his own man, he broke into his former mansion to steal from the guy he actually traded everything for, for a car that they didn't own. 
So yeah, I'd, I'd be like, I understand where they're going with the story. I wish they would have made at least some consideration mm -hmm. that what Toad had done and not just be like, oh, because he, he stole the, he stole the deed back. All is forgiven. He stole the deed from the guy he traded it fair and square with. So uh, may I, uh, interject, interject, go uh, for it. Or, uh, anyway, all getting finding the deed was and showing it to them mm -hmm. is proof that uh toad's story was true technically it shouldn't get him the the, the toad hall back yeah i think the reason he got it back was because uh well technically at that point it should belong to the state i that think is, that is true that should be a that should be now a crown property and yeah. toad should not be allowed to live in it anymore i agreed and I would like to say it doesn't really look like he does live in it anymore, yeah. but say la vie. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel sorry for Toad's uh, progenitors. Yes. Oh my gosh. Everything they had is was wasted when it came to him. Mm. Agreed. So yeah, that's my first. It's like, it's more like Toad doesn't really, he doesn't like, like I understand that's the plot, what they were going with, but I really wish they would have, be like, yeah, Toad, you still have to serve your time. Be like, yeah, this was okay, but then you be like, you're you're still in trouble. But it's like, oh yeah, everything's forgiven because he stole back his own deed. He stole back the deed he traded. But eh, nuance. It's it's a it's a minor nitpick. What is your first dislike? If you have any dislikes, uh, my first dislike is actually I, I can tell you I am not a fan of the package movie. Fair enough. Uh, because. Here's the thing. I enjoyed both, mm -hmm. but they are, in terms of tone, mm. they are entirely different. One is uh, a madcap adventure where you never know what chaos is going to happen in, in one. And the other one is a dark horror story. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that these were produced separately mm -hmm. and then edited together because all but one member of the cast list for this combined film is in one half of the short. Mm -hmm. And the other one is all is just one person for most of the parts in the other, in the other short. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it would have been, I, I know this would not have made sense, but when you if you did not know what you were getting into when you plugged this in, mm -hmm. especially on I know some of the covers they actually have Ichabod and Mr. Toad like mm -hmm. on the same horse, running from the headless horseman, uh -huh. and you're going, that scene never occurs in this film because nope. it's two different continents. Yeah. They they never meet each other. I, I granted I knew that was not going to happen because I knew what these were going into mm -hmm. it, but at the same time, it, it gives. And I know this was like this is the only way we can get a lot of these things out when we don't have the resources yeah. or manpower to get all these other films out. But man, it is so weird the way the way this goes because you can see the cut where between the two films. Yeah. Like, if there's a commercial break, here's where you put it. Yeah. Granted, I watch on Disney Plus with commercials, and guess where they, well, one place they didn't put a commercial? Yeah. Right there. there. <laughs> mm hmm And and you can tell, it's like, 
Basil and uh, and Bing were not in. There was no thought process to make the connection. Yeah, I would have been funnier to me if uh, they'd had Basil Rathbone and Bing Crosby actually debate these characters between these segments. Granted, that'd probably be a little bit more, and they just needed these as introductions to these to kind of move you. But I mean. Yeah, we both say that this has a connection. These two are connected by showing uh, uh, characters who are driven by greed and, mm-hmm. and lusts and, and, and source yeah. and how they end up having to pay for their sins mm-hmm. uh, on this earth. But at the same time, that is the only thing that connects these yeah. films. You got one half. And granted, they, 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 they set it up where it's like, what is the biggest they're talking about characters in literature so mm. there is no reason to think it's the same world but in my yeah. mind it's like couldn't you have done something different i mean what if you had had i don't know maybe, maybe if you weren't using bing and and basil maybe you're using some other narrators who you could have actually filmed in a room full of children reading these stories and like in a library or yeah. something give me something that makes this feel more like like I lessen the fact that this is two things mm-hmm. that was edited into one thing. Yeah. This just really feels like it's emphasizing it's two different things yeah. by having a clean split in the middle. Yeah. To where one half is obviously one production. The other half is the other one. And only a couple of lines really make any connection Yeah. or to help transition. And I guess in some ways they did this. So it would be easily editable into two separate shorts mm-hmm. like they would did later on. But I just wish there was more cohesion. Yeah. That's really what I'm getting to. It's like the lack of cohesion between the stories is just not something I liked. Okay. So fair enough. What's your second dislike? I, I would go, I would, I, I will hop in along with your, your thought of the transition. I think if they would have, like you said, if they would have done more of maybe have two actors in a scene with children reading the book, like maybe they're arguing over the point or something like mm-hmm. that and make it funny and, you know, give it more of like a, co- you know, uh, continuity fluid, you know, fluidity um, into the next scene instead of obviously, Oh, here's our cut. And because they're going to be like, this was not be like initially it was combined in theaters, but then it was cut for over, you know, I think the point of uh, almost 40, 50 years into you know it's segment parts and they mm-hmm. finally recombined them back into the 90s you know like the late 80s and the 90s um but they they could have done something something with it now granted uh i think if they would have oh yeah i'll leave that for my my third dislike but um yeah it, the the transition could have been handled a little better and there again, they are dealing with two two different segments being spliced together in with a very crude um, middle reintroduction to the second second part. But yeah, I, I wish they would have probably done a little bit more with it. But it is what it is. My second dislike for this particular film. I guess it's it's going to be a little nitpicky, but it's that opening song for the opening credits. They've got to do something, mm-hmm. but they just barely make the words the uh, Ichabod and Mister Toad actually 
musical. Yeah. And at the same time, I was like, maybe don't sing anything. Mm. Just do a quick little uh, instrumental thing. Yeah. Because it, the song doesn't fit there. Uh, I don't know. That's it, a nitpicky thing, but it's like yeah. that, that song at the beginning was like, y'all didn't put much work into that. Mm -hmm. Y'all just kind of spit it out there and pray, well, we won't be here long. We just need something to play over the opening credits. True. Uh, so I wish there was a little bit more better in that, I yeah. guess is the best way to put that. So yeah, the opening. Okay. Fair enough. So my third dislike, I kind of hinted on a minute ago. So for years, we're talking, you know, half, mm -hmm. half a millennium, half, not, not a millennium, a hundred years, hundred years. What is that? hundred years. Well, half a hundred years. I like it's mm -hmm. half a millennium. Am I saying that right? Millennium is a hundred years. Millennium is a hundred years. Okay. Thank you. That's all I need. So you'll be like, you almost no like, century is a hundred years. Millennium is century. a thousand. That's right. That's right. Thank sorry. you. Century. Sorry. You sorry. Sorry. You, th you threw me there for no, a second. You're, you're good. You're good. You're, that's why I was trying to get a clarification. So be like, you have a, uh, you know, half a century of where this film had be like, you had the portion where they, they added another like 14 minutes to this film. At least let's sleepy hollow where they describe like who Washington Irvin was and what he did. And uh, that was never seen again until was this in this version of the, the uh, Disney plus version. Where, where they talk about Washington Irvin? No, they did not talk about okay. Washington Irvin. So yeah, that, that that is a that is a scene that has been lost to time. Be like they know it exists. It it's probably in the vault somewhere. But come on, Disney, you know, just give us that scene that was originally in this film. And well, it wasn't originally in the film. It was at when it was, added that's for right, the it was, it was added. The TV. Yeah, it was, added, it was added for the TV version for for just the TV version of yeah. uh, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, back in the fifties. So, like. Come on, Disney. Like, be like, you have the resources. Like, just go in and re like remaster this thing again, and just put that scene in. Because I guarantee you're assuming that they even have that footage still. That is true, but that's the kind of thing I can see getting lost. That is true, but it would be interesting. If we could rediscover that that particular scene and what they were doing with it, because it sounds interesting. Be like, who who he was and what he was doing and why he wrote it, and uh, what was Washington Irving like? Why did he write this? Because it'd be interesting. But uh, yeah, a little bit of media that has been possibly lost, or Disney just doesn't care. Um, so yeah, the the little segment in front of Sleepy or um, Ichabob or the the Legend of Sleepy Hollow that is not available to us. Mm -hmm. Come on, Disney, release it for us, please, if you have it, or anybody who knows anything about it and has information more about it or has video of it in some capacity let us know before we can watch this because i think it'd be kind of cool my final dislike for this film mm -hmm. uh it's short yeah this thing whole thing the whole runtime for this is like barely and under an hour yeah. barely, barely an hour yeah it's under six uh so I, I wish it was just i wish i don't know the Sleepy Hollow segment, granted, is the shorter of the two. It is. I kind of wish it was longer. I wish it had, had the same resources given to it story-wise that the Wind in the Willow segment had. Fair. 
So, I mean, give it another 10 minutes and maybe some more voice actors instead of just Bing Crosby playing every character. Yeah. Uh, that would have made that section even better, I think. Okay, fair. Because that's one of the things I liked about the first segment is like you have all these different voices. Mm-hmm. Grant, some of these voices are literally people they took from the crew. Mm-hmm. Like one's one of them is an animator and the other one's the composer. Yeah. And they just had them come in and record these things like super quick. Grant, they're done very well. Yeah. But then you just, you get to the other half and it's like, and here's a half hour, 20 minutes of Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. It's like you don't even have lit women playing the women. No, there's they they don't they don't even talk. Now, Grant, there are some bits of that I love visually, like the mm-hmm. the little short girl that was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the bra- so happy to be dancing with Brom. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and I don't know if 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 voice acting from her would have been appropriate or would have worked as well. Yeah. But I wish there had been just a little more polish, maybe yeah, a little a little more uh, investment in yeah. in the product, right? Than what we got, and I'm not saying what we got was bad because I think it does a good job, but it's not as good as it could have been. I think true. So yeah, the fact that it's uh, they they couldn't put more money into it. I really think that's what it comes down to is that yeah. both of these they couldn't put more money into because they didn't have it. Yeah. So, because they were still, mm-hmm. well, they didn't have the money and they didn't have the people to actually do it, probably. True. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with there. Okay. For my Fair. third dislike, Fair which enough. means we need to rate this. Yeah. So, what are you rating it? Uh, I'm so glad that we're out of bad movie month so I can make, you know, a, a give a movie a good rating for once. Mm-hmm. We give this a, I give it a six and a half. It's good. It's one of these middle rows, but like Gary again, it's the the uh, the early Disney, and you're you're dealing with more of a uh, musical melody kind of kind of thing. Now I'm using the wrong company, but whatever. You didn't even say it right. No, I didn't, because you were thinking Mary Melodies. Yes, I was thinking Mary Melodies, which is Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. That's what I thought. But what's well, one of the two Warner Brothers? It's one of, yeah, but be like it, it's good. It's serviceable. It tells, for me, it told a good moral story to it. And uh, both of them had that, you know, that very loose connection. And uh, I wish they would have had a little more budget, a little more time to uh, flesh these out a little bit more. Animation done very well for the time period. And uh, yeah, 6.5. I'm going to give it a 7. Okay. Uh, it is it is just a fun, like, the first half is fun. The second mm-hmm. half, I think, is a great little uh, horror story. Oh, yeah. Uh like I said, I wish they were able to put a little bit more money into it, but that's just wasn't capable at this time at time in Disney's history. True. Um, it's there's nothing really I can complain harshly about mm-hmm. the cohesion being the thing I think I disliked the most. So I mean, the thing is, this is a harmless film. Agreed. It's not you. I can see kids getting scared at, at especially near the end. Mm-hmm. And kudos for putting the scary part at the end. That's the perfect place to put it. Because if you had started off with Sleepy Hollow, you, kids wouldn't have made it to Wind in the Willows. No, they wouldn't have. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it's just a fun little, a little fun movie you, you could put on. Let the kids watch, and yeah, they're gonna get spooked once they get interested in it, especially mm-hmm. at the last bit, but. Yeah, little childhood trauma never really hurt anybody. Not true. As long as it wasn't crazy. 
Sure. So yeah, seven. So next week we're continuing Halloween month mm-hmm. by reviewing Uni- uh, Monsters University. Monsters University, and uh, staying with the Disney, but heading to Pixar. Yeah. For the prequel mm-hmm. to Monsters Incorporated, which yeah. means technically we will have finished up that franchise next yeah. week. Mm-hmm. So join us for that. Uh, in the meantime, join us on the other side of the bumpers, and we will get to talking about what we've been watching uh, and some news and a little bit of X-Men. Yeah. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest listening to Stunning and Brave. Stunning and Brave is uh, a is hosted by Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of Some Boring Budgeting Job as they confess their feelings, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons, Ashley Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, and PaulJPowers.com. If you want your name uh, read on the show, uh, enjoying some art from Jacob, or hearing uncut episodes of the podcast, please donate to us on Patreon. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. Yes. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? So, I finished uh, 9-11, A Day in America. That was really good. It was very <laughs> well done. Uh, highly recommended who maybe for young people who never experienced 9-11, go watch it. It's worth it. Um, obviously, I watched an episode of Lower Decks for another part of our podcast. Uh, I also finished on Audible, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow for this show. And I'd never read Sleepy Hollow before, mm-hmm. and or at least heard it. And it is done very well. Um, I can see where they, they took some liberties and took some things out. Uh, in the 1940s, or the late 40s, it's very surprising to be like, I'm not going to go into detail, but if, you, if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. Definitely, I think it's in the dance scene. The dance scene, or the they're they're about to go into the, the storytelling segment. They start talking about certain characters, their their servants, and uh, they they use a language which is not appropriate anymore, um, or terminology for certain people mm-hmm. is no longer uh, no longer really acceptable anymore. But uh, that's what it was. That was the time period. So that you would just be like, that's part of history. So you just learn from it, and uh, it's like, oh, okay, that's what that's what people did. And not to oh we're we're gonna we're gonna write this from history because it, it says something bad about somebody. It's like countries do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So just be like leave it as history. So um, yeah, that's basically all. I, I, I watched another. I watched the uh, documentary. I just put it on. It was a uh, it was a it was a Yellowstone um, wildlife documentary on Nat Geo on Disney plus mm-hmm. and it was interesting. It was interesting. It was just, it was 
just the the life of the the uh wildlife in yellowstone uh being narrated by garth brooks and i was like okay that's interesting so oh, yeah. that's why you were interested in yes, it. It, had, exactly. it was being narrated by garth brooks yeah exactly surprise surprise to nobody exactly yeah so that is what i've been watching and listening to so last weekend yes after i kicked you out of the apartment yes i finished dino fury yes and i was just gonna go power rangers dino fury i should say yes and i was just going to go to sleep after i finished that but right. then the way that last episode <laughs> ended, I thought, you know, I can watch one episode of Cosmic just to say I have and <laughs> worry about the rest of it later. One thing led to another. I went two episodes before, uh, th- three, ep- no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went six episodes before I shut it off. Surprise, surprise. I, it, was, it's, it was done very well there. Um, for those first six episodes. Uh, turned it on the next day. The episode seven, eight, and nine were also done well. Episode ten can just shoot me in the head. Yeah. Oh wow. This, the last. Here's the thing. Power Rangers Cosmic Fury is ending Power Rangers before it reboots in a year. Mm. That means this was in, supposed to be ending stories. Technically, a story that technically goes back. To 1993, yeah, 30 years from Mighty Morphin mm-hmm. through Zeo Turbo in space, Lost Galaxy, and I've completely lost where it goes from there. Shows you how much of a fan I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, all the all these ongoing series where they've had uh, where it's, it's been all through three different companies. Yeah, sorry, four. four different companies that have kept this thing going and they're rebooting it and they've been able to bring back some cool stuff and they took the best villain from from the original mighty morphin Mm -hmm. made him awesome as a villain actually made him i I wouldn't say scary because he's still you know Mm-hmm. He's, he's lord zed he is what he is yeah. but actually made us like oh he's actually go- able to do everything he says he's going to do he truly is acting like he is the emperor of evil mm-hmm. and i'm expecting him to and, and his plan what he's actually doing is actually fairly smart mm-hmm. and then they pull their punch at the last minute and i go y'all were so close y'all almost had the perfect story to finish off not just the three seasons we've had with the current team, mm-hmm. but 30 years worth of, of stories. So uh, it's so disappointing when I that happens. Imagine. So yeah, I did finish cosmic fury. Uh, of course I watched Ichabod, Mr. Toad and I've watched X-Men and I've watched lower decks mm-hmm. and I did watch an episode of Ultraman. Of course. But most of what I've been doing this week has been playing Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, okay. Because Tuesday we had the new patch come out ah. with some story bits that um, ended the current arc a little earlier than I expected. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting it to kind of go all the way to the end of, like, the next patch, and then we'd have a quick little, like, 
oh, here's how this other thing's going to go and how the next expansion's going to start. Uh, but I get, we get it like, and it actually ended like well. It's like at one point there's a character, and I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. of course, but there's a character that's that, okay. There's a character here named Zero. Okay. She is designed after um, Vampire Hunter D. Sure. The same same basic design because you know that's a I'm a, I can't think of the guy's name uh, that does all those, but it's the same artist that does all the logos and was yeah. the did all of Final Fantasy one through six's uh, concept art right back in the day. So as a nice little thing, they base this character this character's design off this other one, and so it's this very like evil cowboyish kind of a thing. And they're fighting the villains from Final Fantasy IV, which makes sense in context because it's not really the villains from Final Fantasy IV, but mm-hmm. it's a callback to that. And I'm sitting there going, this is because the story is the way they handled this climax was so good. I don't want to spoil anything, but I have never replayed a fight five times because I suck so badly and was happy to do it each time because eventually I was going to beat this thing and I'd finally figure out where the story was going. Oh, oh it, I still had a good time though. Nice. So, and I've been doing a couple other uh, little uh, things in game. So that spark has been reignited. So I'll be in that game for a little bit. Nice. Don't know when I'll fall back off, but uh, other than that, that's pretty much all I've been watching and playing. Okay. So, why don't we go ahead and jump into the news? Yeah. The Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. Why thank you, Dylan, and getting into the only bit of news I could find, unless Drew has something that I missed. Not that I know of. Ah, gotcha. Okay, so during a um, keynote speech at the London Film Festival, Disney's CEO, um, Jennifer Lee, confirmed that her studio is working on the third cinematic chapter of the popular Frozen franchise. Although, she, (sighs) yes, I know they're going to drive this into the ground. Disney... You need to take the advice of one of your main characters in that franchise. Let, Let it go. Let it go. They Don't can't. hold back your creativity anymore. You're not kidding. Do something new. This is what you're known for. Come on, Iger. Do something new. That's all I'm saying. Iger. You know everything has to be a franchise. Yeah, exactly. Because like, they're doing a they're doing a Toy Story five. Why? Yeah. Toy Why? We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get there. But Toy Story 3 had the best ending they could have hoped for. Oh, I agree. Toy Story 4, it was a meh. they also ended it. Yeah. And it was not as good as 3's ending, but, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you're not going to make another one after this. It's not going to work. Yeah. And they're making another one? Yeah. What's this going to be? Uh, Buzz Lightyear and, and, and go, uh, gets uh, recycled and ends up in Mexico or something? What, what 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 would be worse if they if they follow the adventure of the uh, the uh, well, uh, admittedly 
granted the pit the not the pencil but the uh the spoon the spork character. spork the spork i want that spork to be recycled <laughs> you're not kidding because he literally almost ruins the entire movie thank you very much anyway yeah anyways uh so during her um during her uh keynote speech she does mention that they are working on the third installment of Frozen, although she didn't reveal uh, specific details of the third film. She told the audience that she was blown away by what she has seen so far. To quote, "All I'm go- all I'm saying is that last week we carved we carved out time for we we carved out time for me to work with the creative team on it, and I'm blown away," said uh, Lee. Said, "I'm so excited. I don't know what." I'm doing on it. I don't know what I'm doing on it yet. I might be doing nothing. I'm doing what I do now. I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is we work on every project as a team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That gives me nothing to work on. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're just be like, oh yeah, let's do another frozen movie because it did so well. Disney buddy, pal, organization who's been around for over 100 years go back to the 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 well that you be like creativity because i know you have all these people who are a thousand ideas bill i know you got wish coming out i know that mm-hmm. everybody's kind of anticipating what they're going to do with wish but do a more original stuff go go you know go find a book that you know that disney never tapped or they did or it's a project they dropped go do that don't keep, you know, just plucking from this old yeah. as well that's gone dry. Like, be like, you are going to have different, you are going to have um, Illumination and all these other companies mm-hmm. are going to pass you up. And no one is going to care about Disney anymore because you keep wanting to just, you know, pluck from the well that is now dry. Go in, use your creativity, use the power you have. There's so many places you could oh pull my from. gosh yeah and many of them you won't actually have to pay that creators for them because they're public domain yeah exactly you don't don't go back and re, you know don't go back redo movies don't be like stop this nonsense of like we're doing re, uh, remakes of classics be like some of them were good some are like man some are like what the crap are you thinking and then you you have they're gonna be like Oh my gosh, just go back to the original creation, what Disney was doing. Walt Disney himself. Be like, go and find old classics, make them in your own, and make them good. Good storytelling. Amazing storytelling. Not this, we're going to make money Mm -hmm. off this cheap crap. That looks good, but it's cheap crap. Here's an idea. Go make another movie based off Shakespeare that doesn't involve lions. Exactly. You can do this. Yeah. Cause I, I, there's tons of Shakespeare. Dude, do a legitimate Midsummer Night's Dream and yeah. you can have Tinkerbell show up for fun. Yeah. Exactly. And nobody will complain. Or here's, or here's another one. Be like the, the last time Disney was really creative was with, uh, I think Zootopia. Like the, be like, yeah. Yeah. Zootopia and you had Moana. Moana was Moana. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Moana. And then you, but like, you've had some good original stories come out, but you need to get that fire back to what you had in the 90s. And just don't go back and reach back in the old well of like this, this new well you think is good. 
it's a dry well with poison in it. You're yeah. just poisoning yourself over and over. And you're just regurgitating the same water. So go back to that old well that you capped off thinking it's no longer viable and do things better. Go back to what Disney was doing. Heck, here's a wild idea. You own 20th Century Fox. Exactly. That includes not just 20th Century Fox, but the 20th Century brand from before then and Fox Studios from before mm. they merged, which means you have tons of properties you own. Mm-hmm. You want to remake something? Remake something that is that lo- has that looks like you could do something good with that most people don't remember anymore. Anastasia, anybody? I ain't even referring to that. <laughs> I'm thinking of it. That'd be kind of you want someone to redo Don Bluth. Or just hire Don Bluth. They'll never do that. Don Bluth. <laughs> Don Bluth will, will do it. No, 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 no. <laughs> if, I'm not saying Disney will never do that. Yeah. Disney, I do see being stupid enough to think they have a chance with him. Yeah, Don won't. Don will never step foot in that in that mouse-encrusted studio ever you again. You mean mousetrap. That too. <laughs> Uh, but there's so many things that they so can make. So many things. Oh my gosh. It's like Disney. Be like, like, like I said before, be like, you did amazing stuff. And everyone's just like, okay, we're tired. It's like Disney has just be like, we've got this and this and this and this, but we got to keep doing the same thing because that's what works. Iger, do better. Disney, do better. That's all I'm saying. Do better. Give us the stuff we used to be like when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Give us that. Give us good story and everything and not trying to just dig the well back up. You know, go to that old well of storytelling and originality. Because, yeah, they did that for a while, you know, going in the 2010s, a little in the 2020s. And now we're just like, oh, let's just dig up all the old franchises, mm-hmm. you know, reboots, spinoffs, whatever. Stop. Do you realize they've not done one off Goldilocks and the Three Bears? No, they haven't. As he's looking through old, I'm looking through all this old stories. Yeah, there's Ugly Duckling. Yeah, you could do a great Ugly Duckling story. Yeah, well, they kind of did that in Stitch, but kind of, but that was still mostly an original idea. Yeah, Uh, just going through a bunch of these. They can't do Puss in Boots because I think that technically does now belong to DreamWorks. Not completely because they no. legally they could. Yeah, but they, everyone would say you're just doing this because of DreamWorks. Yeah, Oops. Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They've that never would... done Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. You could do that and make it a great story. Yeah. Ah, oh, come on, Disney. Yeah. And they're gonna be, I'm I, not even asking you to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Go back to just... There's got to be some old stories like, what can we do cool like this? Because mm-hmm. guess what? When you came back with when you came back with Tangled and Frozen, those are based off of, those are not original stories. No, they're based off. They're both based off of traditional fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they did a lot of originality with them. They did. Because you're allowed. Exactly. Do something like that. Yeah. Do something like Lion King, where most of the people who watched it didn't even realize it was based off Hamlet. True. Or is it Macbeth? Macbeth. One of the two. It's Macbeth. 
I didn't realize it till years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do the three little bears, but have Goldilocks be the bear and the th- and the other three be humans? Change it up. Whatever. I don't know. What would be worse than a Yeti? The yeah. three little, the little red riding hood and the three Yetis. That would be weird. Make, do I, make this a kaiju film. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want to see what a true Disney kaiju, animated kaiju film would look Besides like. Besides turning red. That doesn't count. That's true. That's Pixar. Uh, it is Pixar, it's true. But anyway. There again, come on, Disney. Like, you, you, be like, you, oh my gosh, what they did to Pixar during the COVID era. Oh my god! And yeah, do better by by Pixar, yeah, please. Come on, I know Pixar hasn't put out a lot of good stuff recently, but mm-hmm. they're trying. They're trying. Come on. Anyway, you ready to jump into some X? Yeah, you know, I think we've gone. Now on that this. we've ranted. Yeah, now we've ranted. Got out of our system. All right. Do better, Disney. Previously on X Men. Say what? Superhero and Marvel superheroes have His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. X-Men the Animated Series, Beyond Good and Evil, Parts 3 and 4. What are now considered the season finales of Season 4. And they have to say it that way because it didn't air as such. No, it didn't. But yeah, this is the end of Season 4 for us anyway. Mm -hmm. There are only 10 episodes of X-Men left for us to cover. Sad. And it's not the good season. Both sad and I... Kind of relieved. I'm kind of relieved. We have been doing this since January. Yeah. And no offense, as much as I have enjoyed it, I am definitely ready to move on, even though it means moving on to the series that defined emotional damage for most anime watchers. But anyway. Yes. These episodes originally aired September 18th, 1995, and September 25th, 1995. Sorry, I said September. It's November. I put the wrong month down. Whoops. I put nine instead of 11, and I don't know why. Mm. They were directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller, and uh, the first episode was written by Michael Edens and the second by Dean Steffen. In these episodes, Cable appears in the past to stop Apocalypse. Surprise, surprise to nobody. But it is not, con- but it's not concerned 
about saving the psychics, much to the other mutants' chagrin. And lastly, the final battle between mutants and apocalypse takes place. Guest cast for this includes Philip Aiken as Bishop, Lawrence Bain as Cable, Chris Britton as Mr. Sinister, John Calicos as Apocalypse, mm. Jennifer Dale as Mystique, Don Franks as Sabretooth, George Murner as Magneto. Stephen Womet as Archangel and Bender, Kay Trimbley as Sharp Bishop, and Tasha Sims as Psylocke. Wow. Trivia for this one. Gray Malkin, the time machine cable steals, shares its name with the street on which Xavier's school can be found. Wow. 1407 Gray Malkin Lane. Wow. Makes sense. Part four features the final appearances in the show of Cable, Bishop, Shard, Archangel, Psylocke, and the Nasty Boys. Okay, so I, I know we mentioned that before when we like this would be the last time we see this character, and then they, and they showed up, up in the very next episode. Exactly. Uh, the remaining episodes are in the same order, both on Disney Plus and on here. Ah, okay. So the trivia here might actually be completely correct. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. Take all this with a grain of salt. Yes. One of the telepaths that Apocalypse captures bears a strong, striking resemblance to one of the Guardians of the Universe members, namely Ganthet of Oa from DC's comics Green Lantern series. It does, in a way. Painfully, it yeah. does. And how does he kidnap Strife? Mm -hmm. Which no is a clone of Cable. I know. You, you 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 think for three seconds sorry i'm gonna rant on this for a second you think for three seconds Person i didn't even notice in there no, yeah there's strife right there it's like how in the world did you kidnap strife strife was confused why his other half was in two different spots in the timeline right now apparently one of them is is doing this other thing while the other one's still hanging out in borneo <laughs> Yeah, I'll be confused too. It's like, why am I in two different places? No, wait, that's just my very weird twin. Is there a third clone? Yeah, what happened here? Anyway, I as, must kill Cable. As Sinister and the Nasty Boys are retreating through a time portal, Gorgeous George can be seen getting hit by one of Cable's laser beams, mm. indicating he may have been killed. Hmm. Mojo and the Savage Land can be glimpsed in time portals as Apocalypse is erasing time and space. Yes. And lastly, Bender is revealed to be Immortus, the time-manipulating villain of the Marvel superhero team, the Avengers. Oh, okay. And I strongly suspect this was originally intended to be the series finale before they got another season. Yeah. Because this really does feel like how it you would does. end a, a, a series. Yeah. You bring, so, you bring everybody in, and it's like, you know, big... I mean, you got every villain oh, yeah. showing up. The only Everybody. one you're... The only one you're missing is Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. It's kind of weird she's not here. That is true. For Wolverine to pine over. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this episode, these two episodes? Well, let, let's just say as a uh, young kid, this came out in what year? 1995. 95? I would have been a teenager at this point. S same year as the third season of Power Rangers. Yeah. 
because I, I kept thinking i remember watching this I was like oh my gosh who is this and they they, they introduced psylocke in the last episode i'm like oh my gosh who is this oh wow i, I, I want to say this one little thing about psylocke yeah because she's the only character in the x-men film series to have a comic accurate outfit that you're not kidding this feels weird that i'm seeing her in this because i know the psylocke from them those movies yeah far better and seeing this going i don't for some reason this does not look right in this series but it's it's accurate to the comics it's accurate to the comics yeah. so yeah i was like oh my gosh like as a kid i was like oh my gosh who is this character and then you see him in the movies it's like eh, not good enough there but she was good enough to sell you video games on G4. Uh, that's no, you're not kidding. That's who that was. That's that was, Olivia, that is, that that was Olivia Munn. Oh my gosh, what movie was that again? Uh, what, the, what movie? That, that was, was Apocalypse. It was Apocalypse. Yeah, I, I, that was I, the last good X Men film. Yeah, the the one I watched, and I was like, okay, that was pretty good. And I, yeah, I, I realized that it was Olivia Munn. It was like, okay, that's interesting. But yeah. and she and she fought to have it be comic accurate. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you have my kudos at the same time. You look uncomfortable in that. <laughs> I think anybody would in general. But uh, yeah, I, I I love the introduction of Psylocke in the last episode. And it's just more this. And I know we're talking about the last episode, the previous two episodes, but oh my god, It's gosh. a four-part episode. It's a four-part episode. You can bleed into it. But uh, I, I enjoy where, where they where they go with that episode. And there again, it just turns into nonsensical, okay. Be like, oh, the psychics are gonna be. Like, I'm gonna destroy the psychics, and their 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 psychic their psychic powers are gonna destroy the universe. I'm like, okay, it's like everyone should have read, you know, read the room. It's just like, wait a minute, this is apocalypse. He just wants everything to burn, you know, like the Joker in the Dark Knight. But it's just like someone should have read the room. Be like, you know, this is what this guy does, and like all the villains turn on him, which I thought was a good idea. Of course, it was such a brilliant move. When it comes to like storytelling, because uh like the X-Men don't do anything really. Not really. The X-Men are barely in this episode. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it's villains fighting villains for the most part, and they're walking around. It's like, I mean, hey, be like, hey, where's Gene? Hey, where's Gene? Where where's Gene? I'm Wolverine. I smelled I smell two rats in here. Yeah, I smell two rats. And, uh, K and K Cyclops is strangely silent the whole time. Yeah, he never talks. He has one line at the end when they finally get back to get Gene back. Mm. It's like, I guess we don't have good re uh, records with honeymoons, do we? Yeah, that was the only line he had. And then you have Cable. Oh my gosh, be like, like, I do you care about him? It's like, I don't care about anybody. I just want to get from my son. And it's like, okay, which version of it? be like, do you, do you want to go back to Borneo or are you from the pat from the future and, or the far future at some point? And, and that's the weird thing. Don't we already didn't they reveal to us in the show mm -hmm. that Cable is Cyclops's son? Yes. That means and I don't remember if Cyclops actually learned this detail. No, Cyclops doesn't learn that yeah. information yet. So and I Cable probably does not know. No, he doesn't. So there's this weird thing where he says, I've got to get back and save my son. And I'm going, that's your grandson there, Cyclops. Mm -hmm. Your progeny he's trying to save. Well, if, if we're if we're going by what I understand, Cable isn't, I'd be like, yeah, it's Cyclops' kid, but he's actually by another, whatever. It's, okay, it's, it's shenanigans. Cable is the son of Scott and, and, Madeline, and Pryor. Madeline Pryor, Pryor who right. is actually a clone of, of Jean, Jean Grey. Grey. That's right. Who 
didn't have mutant powers, if I remember correctly. Uh, who knows? I don't, I don't remember. Either way, they so that's where Cable comes from. Mm-hmm. He was he had got had some sort of techno. I don't know if that's when he got the techno virus, or he got sent to the future because of other. There's some for some shenanigans. With he got sent to the future as a baby, mm-hmm. and we then saw him back as an adult. Thank you, Rob Liefeld, uh, with guns and and metal coming out of his body and and pouches, ha- being, and pouches lots of pouches. Yeah, hadn't exactly. quite hadn't quite made his bromance uh, with Deadpool yet. I, I, if you've I not read those comics, it I is can. definitely a bromance. So I'm I'm curious how they're going to do X Men '97 whenever that comes yeah. out next year. That's the, I am I'm curious because like there are so many places you could go with this because when they when they announced X Men '97, mm-hmm. thinking okay yeah X Men '93, I remember being a good show, yeah. I remember enjoying it. And '93, it's '90. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but now that we've watched like most of this and seen how all over the map this show is, it's kidding. like, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. I didn't, it's a little funky. It's all it's it's crazy. I grant it. You're going to have some events that are going to be, you know, nailed down. I'm curious if Morph is coming back. Oh yeah, he's coming back. He'll have to come back. Oh yeah, because he's a fan favorite. Because he's the only character created for the show. Yeah. They, so they have to bring him back. So far as I understand, with the the uh, the uh, character stills they've done, is like they're going back to what his face was in Age of Apocalypse, which he's has a white face. This weight very yeah. uh, non-characteristic face. Like, okay, what happened? Either way. Yeah. Either this or. is this feels like it should be an ending for the show, but mm. we know there's a couple more episodes. Ten more episodes. And there was like a total of like twenty, but we've already rewatched ten of them mm-hmm. because of the chronology issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my word, this show is just like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and season five gets even weirder, and it's and that's and we know that's where the animation takes a nosedive. Mm-hmm. We've seen some of that nosedive already, yeah. So, but the theme song's better. It's an updated theme song. I prefer the original. I agree, but I, I, I in some ways, I do enjoy the newer theme song. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Uh, but yeah, I think unless you've got anything else to add, I think no, we can both no. agree our. Thoughts on this come to me. Yeah, this would have been a great ending for the show. Yeah, would have been great. Be like it'd been a nice send off to what you know what they could have done. And but no, it's like no, let, let's do let's do more episodes and like tank the animation because we get cheaper because they're gonna be like money, money, yeah, money. Exactly. It's so funny in that Fox Kids world. Mm-hmm. So here's a fun little thing. We're uh, the next episode. Let me. I'm gonna read you the names of the upcoming episodes mm-hmm. for fun here. Stormfront, I mean, a phalanx, the Phalanx Covenant one and two, Stormfront one and two, the Fifth Horseman. Mm-hmm. So apparently, po- we do have another episode with Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So it's only the only way that makes sense. Yeah. Jubilee's Fairy Tale Theater. Oh, brother! <laughs> Old soldiers, hidden agendas, descent, and graduation day. Mm-hmm. That's the remaining episodes we have. Yeah. Season five is going to be a trip. Yes. And, and then, then, of course, we're ending on Pride of the X-Men. Yes. That's going to be fun. Yes. And then... The beginning of a lot of orange juice. ACL. 
Okay, anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, you have anything before we cut out of here? Uh, no. It's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to completing X, you know, this run of X-Men. Uh, and moving on to your favorite anime. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. It's, it's one of my favorites. Be like, it's, it's so unique as a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it it, re, it redefined a genre, and yeah, just the the more it goes, the more it's like what the crap. But it kind of makes sense in a way. So we'll we'll get there when we get there, right? And probably somewhere about halfway through Evangelion, we're gonna put up. If I don't just put it up at the start of Evangelion, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put up a poll of upcoming shows if y'all yeah. that y'all want us to review. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron and his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. Remember you Twix can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's cell with a single L. With a hip hip and a clippity clop, he's out looking for a head to swap. So don't try to figure out a plan. You can't reason with a headless man.